0: Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus,
1: so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, hey, hello, Southside. Thank you so much for being a part of this amazing day with us. I am excited that you chose to celebrate jesus with us on this day come on man what a great day to be alive and to be a part of god's plan for this day and time in which we live and your presence today helps make that a reality you don't just help us accomplish vision We want to help see God's mission accomplished in your life, and we simply say it this way. We want to help you build a real relationship with Jesus Christ, and we invite you to help us make it real easy to go to heaven from right here where we are in Northeast Georgia, and so you are doing that today. My invitation today is that you would take another step in your journey, that you would make a decision decision not just to say yes to Jesus, but to go public in your faith with Jesus, to be baptized, to say, I'm a part of the family of God, to come and be a part of the local church, to serve, get in a small group, to give, and make a difference with your time, your talent, and your treasure. So if you're not doing that today, Come on, say yes with me. Be a part of this journey with us and let's see God build your faith and to help others say yes to Him as well. Today, today is, um, is the end, the conclusion of our reset series and it's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It contains what I like to call, or at least least it is for me, the most frightening verse in all of the Bible. It would be a great message to preach on the weekend of Halloween. It would be a, it it, it really is. It is a Mufasa moment in my life. I don't know if it would be that way for you, but it is a place that, that, that causes me to stop, ask some serious questions about my faith, evaluate it and 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 see where i stand in my relationship with god and so today today is very much a day of personal inspection evaluation, and what I pray would be a mighty transformation in every person's life. Whether you are a follower of Christ or not, I pray that today you wouldn't just say yes to him and, and make a begin a relationship with him, but you would also, if you have accepted Christ, you would say, where can I take my faith to a greater level of dependence and obedience to Christ and his word? Because here's the truth. It's a question. Why is it that so many Christians seem to lack that, 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 that sense of fulfillment in life? It feels like something is missing, and I feel that way for, for a lot of people. I mean, I, I have those conversations all the time, and, and I mean, just sometimes I look in the mirror and feel that way myself. And so why is it? Why do we lack this sense of fulfillment in life? It's, it's like something is missing. And, and so today, today we've been on a journey this month talking about thoughts, actions, and experiences. Uh, have, have, what, what are my thoughts? And how are my thoughts, um, uh, either adding to or taking away from my life? Because my thoughts lead to actions. And my actions are the things that, that it's basically things that I act on. It's the things that come out that are basically beginning in here. And Jesus tells us that. He says, as a man thinks in his heart, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And, and so here, we know that thoughts lead to actions, and actions give us experiences. Well, here's the truth. Beliefs, beliefs are the things that determine our, determine our behavior. And so here is a warning today. The warning, because we see in Matthew chapter seven, a whole lot of warnings. Jesus sounding the red flag to the people that were sitting there watching him, listening him, listening to him, taking in what he was saying on that day, on that mountainside, in the, on the, with the Sermon on the Mount. And this is the warning. The greatest of all deceptions. The greatest of all deceptions to me. Is self-deception. The greatest of all deception is self-deception. I mean, we've talked about that. Some looking in the mirror. When you look in the mirror, you see everything that is wrong with you. That is most people. Most, most people do not look in the mirror and, and 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 look and see what they have or look, what look like and go, man, I love everything that I see. Most of us are like the 1980s version of Stuart Smalley, where we have to on Saturday Night Live stand in front of a mirror and convince ourselves that we're good enough, we're smart enough, and doggone it people like me. Because we're trying to battle the enemy of self-deception. And so what I know is that when, when I'm in this, this self-loathing, self-deceiving, self-depressing mode that I find myself in sometimes. How do I combat that? How do I fight that? I have to fight that with my faith. I have to fight that with the word of God. I'm gonna do this in 2022 over and over and over again. I'm gonna challenge you to read the Bible with us. Come read God's word with us. Come be a part of this journey with us. Download the Southside Church app in your app store. Go to weekends, find the services, find the sermon notes. Download those, read those, take the reading plan, read along with us come, let us help you grow your faith in 2022. Because the greatest of all deceptions is self-deception. And so I'm going to ask you this question based on the scariest verse in all of the Bible. Is it possible for people to know the right language, believe the right doctrines, obey the right rules, and still not be saved? I will answer that question based on this passage today, the answer is yes. Is it possible for you to know the right language to use at church? Is it possible to believe the right doctrines about this book? Is it possible for you to obey the right rules and still, still not be saved? Yes, it is. And so to the, to the question is, how can I know for sure that my faith is real? How can you and I know for sure that our faith is real? Three things today. The start of faith, we see the test of our faith, and we see the results of our faith, okay? That's what we're going to look at today. Let's begin with the start of our faith. Matthew chapter number seven, verse number 13. Now we're skipping over the first 12 verses of Matthew seven, but just to kind of give you a heads up of what he says there, Jesus talks about judging others, and then he talks about prayer and the need to continually bombard heaven with your requests, your needs, your your heart issues. Jesus talks about dealing with the issues that we have more than we're concerned about the issues that others have. In other words... Pull the beam out of your eye before you mess with the splinter in somebody else's eyes. Before you go messing with somebody else, look at yourself, deal with that, and go to heaven. Keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking, and eventually God is going to open the door, help you bring healing and growth in your life. The test, the first thing we see here is the start of faith. Jesus says, enter. Come in, my friend. You've been knocking, you've been seeking, you've been asking. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. Jesus tells us here about the start of faith. The start of faith, he he compares it to a gate. And not just any gate, a narrow gate. Not a double gate, but a single gate. A gate that cannot accommodate more than one person at a time. A gate that you, that I'm picturing to be about like this. It's not a gate I've got to turn and shimmy through, but it is a gate that is big enough for me and me only it's big enough for you and you only it is lo- it is big enough for us to go through one at a time i think about an airport security check in we have to stop and wait for them to or to wave us in maybe not at an airport maybe at a ball game maybe at a concert maybe at some venue or some event that you attend they're going to walk us through those singly why because they are that gives us that gives them room to focus on one person here jesus said enter through the narrow gate why should I enter through the narrow gate? He said, because there's not just a narrow gate, there's also a gate that is wide. The wide gate, the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. So all, all of a sudden I realize in this passage I'm dealing with two different things. I'm not just dealing with narrow and broad or narrow and wide, I'm, I'm dealing also with life and destruction. And Jesus said the narrow gate is the one that leads to life, but the wide gate is the road that it enters into a road that is broad and it leads to destruction. And there are many people who choose to go through the wide gate. He says, how narrow though, how narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life. And the thing that makes me perk my ears up is the final four words, and few find it. Few people find it. I believe the narrow gate is the way to personal faith in Jesus Christ. The, the wide gate and the broad road is more of a human tendency toward dependence and self-righteousness. Basically, the roads that he is communicating here are the road one is the wide gate and the broad road that leads to hell, and the narrow gate and the narrow road that leads to heaven. The road to hell. It is a popular road. It is crowded with the careless throngs of those who are blinded by the world. Pleasure, promotion, possessions, power, and pride bring delight, distraction, and ultimately destruction. It is governed and controlled by a Lord whose realm is darkness and whose reign is sin. He wants to keep his travelers linked to him and in bondage. It is the power of self-deception. God is not found on this road. However, the road to heaven is much different. There are no giant signs on this road offering material benefits, health, or well-being. There are obviously no promises of the escape of pain, problems, trials, or tribulation. There is no implied promise that we can have the best of both worlds so we can live any way we choose and still go to heaven. That doesn't exist on this road. On this road, we can't tolerate sin. We can't hold hands with the world. We can't indulge in our lust or listen to the devil's lies or expect the praise of men. The way is narrow. The road to heaven is one of challenge, fulfillment, opportunity, promise, peace, and joy. And Jesus speaking to this is speaking of the start of our faith, and He says, Choose. You get a choice. And the choice that you have here is it, it it doesn't mean that it's difficult to become a Christian. What he means here is that there is only one way to become one. So how can I make sure that my faith is real? It begins with the test of faith, and you get to choose. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, to examine yourselves to see whether or not you are in the faith. So let's examine ourselves today. Have you ever entered in through the narrow gate? Have you done more? It's not just about saying yes to Jesus. It's about entering in this gate and walking along this road no matter how difficult it is. But Jesus said difficult is the road that leads to life. But the scary part is, is that there will only be a few who find it. I'll tell you this, that the only place these two roads intersect because these two roads are completely different. But there is one place that these two roads intersect, and it's at the cross of Jesus Christ. It is only here that you can leave the broad road, accept Christ as your Savior, and start walking on the narrow way. That's the only place these two come together and convert. They intersect at the cross of Jesus Christ, and it is there that you can examine, stop, see yourself, and go, you know what? The broad road is exactly that. It is a place of darkness, bondage, and sin. It is a place that ultimately leads me to destruction. It is not a place of pleasure and promise and peace. It is a place of destruction that the enemy will not rest and let me go in this life until I end up in a place of torment with him. But meanwhile, sitting on the other side, at the other place of the cross, is the call of Jesus Christ to come, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Take his yoke upon you and learn from him, and you will be meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, a rest that leads to peace, that leads to life, that leads to eternity in heaven for everyone that says yes to him and obeys his word this is it it's the test of faith it's the start of faith now we go from the the start of faith to the result of faith what happens if i say yes to that what does that faith look like what should it look like and jesus tells us he goes from there to to the next verse where he says beware of false prophets Because in their day and time, they had an issue with false prophets. People who taught what the king wanted them to teach and what the people wanted to hear. It was very, it was, it was very hypocritical. It was very deceiving. It very much led to bondage. And Jesus said, be careful because false Teachers will work their way into your fellowship, into your life in order to keep you in bondage, to tell you what you may want to hear or what the government wants you to hear, but it's not what changes your life. It's not the word of God. And so Jesus said, watch out for them because they look, they look like sheep, but they're wolves in sheep clothing. And so here it leads to Jesus giving us an illustration of how we can determine the, the validity of a message or a person's life. And here he is speaking to the people that do what I do. To the people that are communicating and saying they've got a message from God, but let's take that and examine that deeper because it's not just my faith, this is about your faith. This is about my faith when I look in the mirror, this is about yours when you look in the mirror, and so we have a start of faith, the, the, the narrow gate and the narrow way that leads to life versus the broad gate or the wide gate and the broad life that leads to destruction and you get to pick, and there is a result of your choice. Jesus said a good tree can't produce bad fruit. So what kind of fruit are you producing? What's coming out of your life? He says neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. This is what he says. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and is thrown into the fire. Again, he's leading back to the broad way and the narrow way, one leading to destruction and one leading to life. He said a tree that doesn't produce good fruit, you just cut it down and throw it away, you burn it up. And he says here, speaking of false prophets and false teachers, he said you'll recognize them by their fruit. The same can be said for every one of us. We'll be known for our fruit. And here comes the verse. The most frightening verse in all of the Bible to me is this one Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. To carefully examine our life, we should stop and go, okay the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. My question would be, how do I do this? How do I do this? Because the one who enters the kingdom of heaven will be the one who does the will of his Father in heaven. Well, the answer to that can be found in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul said, I beg you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. In other words, it's not a deadly sacrifice, it's a living sacrifice. It's God, here I am, I am yours. To use and do with as you see fit. He says in verse number two, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. The world has a pattern for you. It is a pattern that is very deceiving and destructive. It is a pattern that causes us to walk on a very broad road where anything goes. You see it today. You see it today. I've heard it. I hear it all the time. Who, who do you think you are to judge me? Whenever you try to speak into somebody's life, now the key to that is to have a relationship with them. The key to that is to bring people along with you. The key to that is to ask God, to let God build the opportunity for you to do that. And the key is also to work on my, own, on my own problems before I go dealing with somebody else. But here's the deal. People will say, "Man, they'll say, well, don't mess with me. You got you. You do you, I'll do me. Well, that's great. That's all fine and good, but today we're talking ultimately about heaven and hell and the ways to get there. And so if I can say anything loud today is this, listen to this message, because Paul said, he said, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world in Romans 12 verse 2. He said, instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think about it, act on it, experience it. So that then you will able to test and prove what is that good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So how do I do this? I've got to say no to the world and yes to God. I've got to say no to the the the, the forming and 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 conforming to the world, so that I can say yes to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. Jesus said on that day, the day that we stand before Him, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? Didn't we do many miracles in your name? My Lord, if people are going to stand before God and do this, they have done this, then that causes me to stop and go, I better make sure. That I have, I have said yes to God, my life images him, and I have entered through the narrow gate and am walking the narrow way. Because Jesus said the result is, I will announce to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you lawbreaker. This is what we see in this. What you do, what you do cannot be separated from what you believe. Friend, what you do cannot be separated from what you believe. Am I telling you that you've got to do something to be saved? According to this book, the only thing that you and I have to do is believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and confess him with your mouth. Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. Now, what we don't spend a lot of time on a lot of times is the result of that the result of that is transformation. And transformation is not immediate here. It is in heaven. But we have to make, we have to work so that the transformation that has happened in heaven, our life will move closer to that so that our life will look more like Jesus, so that the fruit that we're producing leads leads one to see heaven more than it does hell. So I'm going to ask you a question. What does the fruit in your life say you are producing? What does the fruit in your life say, where does it say you are walking? What, What does the fruit say in your life to where you are going? Because you can say all day long that you're a Christian, but what you do cannot be separated from what you believe. How do I know that my faith is real? It starts with the start of faith. It leads to the result of faith. And finally, the test of faith. The test of faith, Jesus said, therefore. Therefore, what's it Therefore, it's This is here because of everything that he has said that has led to this moment. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He says, when the rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded upon that house, but it did not collapse because its foundation was sure, secure, and steady. It was built on a rock. He said, but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Who builds a house on sand? Nobody today. Because it's foolish. Why? Because we know this. When the rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded upon that house. It collapsed. And its collapse was great. Why was the collapse great? Was it a big house? I don't know. I think the collapse was great because when the house fell, it didn't go down alone. Because our fall always leads to another. You never go down alone, nor do I believe that you go to heaven alone because I believe your life, your life, living, breathing, and connecting with Jesus will be attractive to others and they will want what you have. The question is how much does your life reflect the directions Jesus gave in his sermon? Jesus made it clear that our personal choices have eternal consequences. So choose wisely. See, life is not about getting through it in order to get to Jesus. No. No. Life is about meeting Jesus where you are. (laughs) Life is about meeting Jesus where you are. Right in that moment, right in this moment, right here today. Life is about meeting Jesus right now. And you have a choice to make today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So choose, but choose wisely. Do you want to go to hell or do you want to go to heaven? Joe Diffie, I get it. Prop me up beside the jukebox when I die. Lord, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight. You know, do I want to go today? No. But that's not my choice. What is my choice is where I go when it is my time. And so I want to go to heaven to enter through that gate that gets me there is to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of my life. Then, it is to take active steps to grow and develop that faith. The first one is baptism. If you've never, been, if you've never said yes to Jesus before, what are you waiting on? The time to be right, your life to be right, circumstances to be right. There will never be more right than they are right now. But then when I when you do that, I'm going to ask you, what are you waiting on? Be identified with the body of Christ, friend. The best way to do that is baptism. We're giving both of our campuses the opportunity to do that next week. What are you waiting on? Do it. And then make your faith personal and meaningful by growing it, by being more like Jesus and less like the world, being more like the Holy Spirit and less like the devil, by giving God more control and freedom to work and move in your life than you do the enemy. The decision is yours, friend. But I promise you, life is about meeting Jesus where you are today. So choose. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? As Pastor Cole comes, answer this question today and make the right choice. whatever's going on in your world today and wherever you are, anybody can say yes to Jesus in in any moment. No matter where you are, listening in a car, running on a treadmill, watching in your house, why would you wait? Today, say these words with me. Pray them and believe them in your heart. Say, God, I believe in you. I believe you sent your son, your one and only son, to be my savior. Say to Jesus, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. By your grace, restore me to you. Say these words, Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm ready to follow you. I say yes to you today. Now tell us, if you did that, if you're doing that, if you have said that, let us know. Let us help you take the next step.
0: If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text JESUS, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside, I would like to partner with Him. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.